And that jarring cacophony tells you that you're back with the Power of Three podcast with 21st Century Doctor Who. I'm Kenny Smith and I'm rejoined after a couple of days off by my pal, my co-conspirator and my fellow book lover, but not in that way, David Steele. In what way does he mean listeners write in and let them know? Yes, hello, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I've had two days off. Yeah, because you missed... Um, oh, so I have. I've had two days off. Yeah, of course. Um, I do have a copy of... Was it Engines of War? Gears of War? Yes, Engines of War, yeah. I do. I can see it from here. If I crane my neck round the corner. Yeah, but you don't have um, the Book of the Still, do you? I haven't read it in the Book of the Still, no. Very good book. Who's that? Who's that by? That was by Paul Ebbs, who was Oh, at, right, of course. Who, another one who was at Novel Experiences, which we talk about a lot in this we podcast. We do. That's because it was so important. And well, because it's it has single-handedly revitalised my dying interest in Doctor Who, so, <laughs> you know, it deserves all the, you know, again, thanks to, to Steve and Andy and all that again. Um, yes, listeners, because it is day 10, we're talking about the ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston. So... These books, these new little dinky, delectable, collectible hardcovers were so different from the original Doctor Who fiction that we'd had for the previous, what, 14, 15 years? Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I saw these, I was really shocked to see that they're actually hardbacks. Beautiful looking little things. The fact they've got that uniformity of design, Mm -hmm. they've got that similarity with the Doctor. In fact, you've got the Doctor and Companion in the top half and then a scene from the story in the bottom half along with the typeface deviant strain. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and obviously there were two waves. There was the first wave, which had the Clockwise Man, Monsters Inside and Winner Takes All. They were released um, initially, you know, quite soon after the TV series started. In fact, as we're recording in my living room, listeners, if you just take a look up there, you'll see the poster. Yeah, there was. That I still have, which I'm pretty sure I got, um, pretty sure I got it in Forbidden Planet. Wow. I'm pretty sure one of my pals in Forbidden Planet gave me do you want this because it was Alistair I can remember it now um, because it, they'd been sent it in to to pin it up but they didn't really have room so do you want this Dave? yeah um, and, I, and it replaced um, I, had, I used to have a, a Cash for Kids poster from when I worked for Clyde Action in that frame and I replaced it with that with that Doctor Who poster. So yep. there's some there's some David Steele social history for you. Yeah. But yeah it's I wonderful. mean it's a great poster yeah, the well, um, and Billy. Well using the, of course using the image that was in all the, the billboard posters. Listeners we will take a photograph of it and post it in the socials the day that we put this this episode out so you can see it. It's a fascinating time because the you know obviously as we've been going in this little series we've talked a lot about the the original fiction that was coming out and Kenny and I both read the new adventures from their, their inception in 1991 um, I read most of them Kenny read more of them and I'm also trying I've recently just reread Night of the Living Dad because I'm, I'm wanting to finish off the new adventures I didn't do my copy of The Death of Art is just over there by Simon Busher Jones once I finish all of the the Power of Three Doctor Who book cramming homework that I'm attempting to do mm-hmm. to, so that I can have his opinions on as many of them as possible I'll go back to reading Death of Art do you know that I got as far as page 26 when I attempted to read it in, in when I, I I made an attempt to read it in the space year 2000 I got as far as page 26 oh. I discovered all the other day when I got off the shelf because my cinema ticket for American Beauty is, mar- no. is marking the marking my place so there you go listeners there's some context for you terrible film Trainspotting did it much better anyway <laughs> the the effect that the TV series had coming back was, was quite enormous because essentially the original fiction had been getting published by the BBC books in the past Doctor range the 8th Doctor range it stopped it didn't stop completely a few books come out during 2005 one 8th Doctor book which was you know I think published as part of the 
the missing or the past Doctor's adventures I should say and was kind of you know but fitted into a certain part of the timeline do you remember what it was called off the top of your head wasn't Drift was it no, no it not Drift that's no wait a minute is that another one with a white cover it is yeah right that's what I'm thinking of hang on it's not timeless no hope nope am I getting close you're you're on the right lines these are all EDAs but what was it called I'm trying to think if it was one that I've got a comic what if I for? gave you the name of it would that help the name of the author right go on Nick Wallace um gave me the first letter of the title F F Mm. Listen, I'm going to do oh, it's fear itself. It is well done. I knew that, of course, because hi, listeners, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter or if you follow me on Instagram, but all year, mainly to give Kenny a laugh and to give myself a laugh, and because I like having a project and to distract from life's emptiness, I've been posting um comic book covers in a big long thread, and they're also on Instagram as well, um, of comic books with the names of Doctor Who books on them. And when it came to Fear Itself, I was spoiled for choice because that was the name of a big Marvel Comics crossover around about 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Who's in it? Everyone. Wow. Basically, it was, um, you know, at this late stage, I can't remember what the instigator was, but I had, I, um, I was spoiled for choice when it came to Fear Itself. But, um, see, I think on the day of recording, I've just posted the the cover of the, the comic for Rags that I found but what yes. I've been doing listeners you can find me on Twitter at David Steele there's also <clears throat> a dedicated Instagram account called Who Book Comics where I've been posting comic books that have got the names of Doctor Who original novels on them and Fear Itself is one of them which ninth Doctor ones have I got I can't remember which tenth Doctor ones have I got I can't remember eleventh I can't remember but I'll get them fairly soon but yeah the first wave of new series books were published whilst the last few of the previous sort of eight Doctor New, you know, and previous Doctor books were still sort of dripping out. And the last couple of them were published quite late on the year, run right about the time that the second wave of, of Doctor Who hardbacks was published. And the one we're talking about today is Stealers of Dreams, and that was published in the second wave alongside Only Human by Gareth Roberts and The Deviant Strain by Justin Richards. It was indeed. This was actually book number six because I mean I thought what they did brilliantly with these new series books was to echo that format that Russell had established with the first three episodes in TV. You've got one in the present day, one in the past and one in the future. Yep. And I think it was so clever doing that. You're aping the format that's been yep. established. Yep. You've got a recognisable setting. Yep. You've got a historical setting that you yep. can read about. And then you've got your typical Doctor Who sci-fi space adventure. Yeah, of course, because I think um, it was Winner Takes All in the first wave was a contemporary one with you know with appearances from Jackie and and the Slovene. Is no, that right? Was no. it the Slovene? The Quevels. The Quevels. They were like porcupines and it was all computer games because there's a computer game Did called Sl- Bad Wolf that everyone's playing. Did the Slovene not appear in one of them? Yes, that was, in, cameo? that was in Steve's book. Right. And it's, they're not technically the Slovene. I think they're actually Blatherine. Right. Which later appeared in Sarah Jane Adventures. Right, oh my God, I'm such a loser. Which one? Was it The Monsters Inside? Yes. Right, I, let's be honest, these books came out a long time ago, so if my memory fails me, I do apologise. Yeah, and then, of course, the second wave um, came out a few months later and did a similar, similar sort of thing. But, of course, the second wave also featured Captain Jack Harkness, as brought yes. to life on TV by John Barrowman, and he was used to great effect. And there's a glorious scene at the start of Only Human when, um, as far as I remember, because I haven't read it in a very long time, Captain Jack walks into Taz's control room, basically dressed like Richard Gere at the end of An Officer and a Gentleman, and Rose has a line about, um, 
could those trousers be any tighter and Jack says is that a request <laughs> and then there's a really funny bit where he streaks through a hospital to cause a, a distraction which is just like it's absolutely the sort of stuff that Captain Jack would have done on TV yeah um, do you think Barrowman would have been up for that oh, of course he would Barrowman you know he's got his bum out in, in Bad Wolf hasn't he you know, of course That's he would. True. Of course he would. He would love yeah. it. Did you see the photograph that he posted at the weekend of him and Sylvester McCoy? Yes, that was lovely. Glorious. Lovely. Two Scottish doctors. Can you stars. imagine a seventh doctor and Captain Jack's story? Oh, that would be Sylvester. I got an yes. email from him yesterday. Oh, good. What was he saying? I was asking him about a big finish thing that's oh. not been announced yet. Oh, and um, he replied to it. Interesting. So there we go. There we go. That's an exclusive for you, listeners. Yep. Watch out for that in Vortex in a few months, eh? Mm. But yeah, back to the plot. I mean, did you? I I only I didn't read all of them. I've got to say, I'm not sure. I've been trying to remember what I read from the first movie. I think Winner Takes All might have been one that I read. I bought them all obviously I think I've got a feeling I started The Clockwise Man or did I read it all I can't remember but I know I definitely read Only Human and I definitely did read The Steals of Dreams but to be honest listeners I can't remember it too well and I haven't had time to reread ah. it in preparation unfortunately so Kenny's going to do most of the heavy lifting yeah. talking to this one and obviously Mr Lyons will talk about it yeah. as well but before we chant about the book itself yes let's have a quick chat Steve Lyons oh a legend what a great writer a man who is one of those people who you're guaranteed will write you a good Doctor Who story if you want one. You've got people like Justin Richards, Steve Lyons, Lance Parkin, people who you know that can instinctively rely on. If you see their name in a book, Mike Tucker as well, mm-hmm. you know that you're going to get a story that's proper yeah. Doctor Who. Steve Cole as well. Absolutely. Um, when Kerry and I were at Novel Experiences a few months ago, how many times can we mention it in one episode? <laughs> Let's try and go for a record. I got Steve to send my copy of Time of Your Life, which was, I've said this, I'm sure I've said this before, I'm sure I did a couple of days ago when we were talking about The Sixth Doctor. Um, the best thing about the, for me, in the 90s about um, the original novels was they gave The Sixth Doctor so much more scope and just some new stories. Um, I was one of those people that spent most of the 90s being really annoyed in Colin's behalf because I'd met him a couple of times and he was just lovely and he was, and it, the untapped potential of his Doctor was huge and Time of Your Life was this one that was set immediately after Trial of a Time Lord and it was the Doctor sort of in a sort of hermit mode because he was trying to avoid becoming the Valyard and it did that really brave thing where he meets who you think is going to be his new companion and she gets killed she dies really yep. quite horribly and nastily and then the Doctor leaves with another person that is his new companion who gets in the next book that Steve did in the Missing Avengers range you know featuring the Cybermen Killing Ground that kind of carried that little theme on and Time of Life is one of I think I read it at least two or three times it was one that I always just remember as just being this is what we want this is what we want you yeah. know I've, I've grown a bit cold in continuity inserts and and sequels and stuff but at this point you know anything new with The Sixth Doctor was just being devoured by me quite frankly I mean I've I've been a big fan of Steve's work you know just stuff like Conundrum uh, which is fantastic and just of course PDAs just yep. A wonderful, witty, funny writer, uh, and a wonderful, witty, funny man as well. I mean, it was the, when I saw him at Novel Experiences in May. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time I'd seen Stephen, probably of twenty-five odd years, and Blimey. it was great to see him again. And just genuinely one of the loveliest, warmest people, and just such a funny writer and um, very modest. Like, That's yes. the thing I got from Novel Experiences. That's what I got from a lot of the guys that I got books signed from. Um, it's always quite. I, th- I always think it must be quite weird for people 
for authors or actors or whatever to people just sort of come up and saying you did this thing years ago and it lo- I loved it and it made my life better <laughs> and I'm one of these people that doesn't hold back and sort of saying you know what love this really make, you know means a lot to me etc yeah. um, and that was one of the good things with novel experiences just being able to tell these folk look I love these books mm-hmm. you know when Simon Messian was you know t- being able to tell him that I, that, I'd li- that I really liked Strange England and um Telling you know, saying to Daniel Bly that was one of his that I really liked, and being able to tell Andy Lane that Empire of Glass is my favourite, you know, that sort of <laughs> stuff. It was glorious. Here's another mention for novel experiences. So was that go to novel experiences, which is a, an event organised by the Hoovers down in Derby. So go and support them because they're lovely. They are. You know, I um, no, I love Steve's work. Um, Jen, you know, I just was thinking, when did I first meet Steve? Thirty-one years ago, virtually That's almost insane. to the day. Um, as a fan of Olympiad and Crawley. Right. Okay. And uh, that was the first time I met Gary Russell and Nick Pegg was there. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Steve O'Brien from SFX Magazine. He even sent me video footage from that weekend, which I didn't know existed. I've got great hair, but I was doing a rip <laughs> from the young ones with my sight, you know, with like the sideburns at the head, and I sort of gone at an angle. It's like, oh, what right. the hell are you doing? It looks awful. I had some spectacular sideburns in the past, listeners. Yes, there's, um, there's I a remember. Fo- there's a photograph of me with Matt Everett, the drummer from the Montrose Avenue, formerly of menswear. There's a cracking photograph I was in London in June 1999 my sideburns were spectacular because I still had just about enough hair on top to justify them (laughs) anyway this has been the Kenny and David talking about the sideburns podcast shall Um, we talk but yes I think we should move on and return to Steelers of Dreams I mean for me this is a great book set in a dystopian future but Dave yes why should I bother relaying the plot when you can tell us what the back cover says it says ahem in the far future, the Doctor, Rose and Captain Jack find a world in which fiction has been outlawed. A world where it's a crime to tell stories, a crime to lie, a crime to hope and a crime to dream. But now, somebody is challenging the status quo. A pirate TV station urges people to fight back and the Doctor wants to help. Until he sees how easily dreams can turn into nightmares. With one of his companions stalked by shadows and the other committed to an asylum. Asylum's the name of a... That's a BBC novel. It was, by Peter Darville Evans, yes. with the fourth Doctor in Nyssa. Yep, that's right. We'll talk about that one day, I'm sure. There's a comic cover coming up for that on my Instagram. With one of his companions stopped by shadows and other committed to an asylum, the Doctor is forced to admit that fiction can be dangerous after all. Though perhaps it is not as deadly as the truth. Featuring the Doctor as played by Christopher Eccleston, together with Rose and Captain Jack as played by Billy Piper and John Barrowman in the hit series from BBC Television. UK 699. Wow bargain at half the price absolutely this is a fantastic story I do love the fact that it looks at the whole concept of fiction and how important that it is in our lives yeah bits of it keep dropping back into my head um, I wish I had time to, to read it but it is one that I know I remember at the time I remember them all being split up and doing their own different stuff and Jack having a bit of a tougher time of it and um, I mean this is the thing we have to remember like on television we got the empty chair and the Doctor Dances which set Jack up and then he was in Boomtown and then you had Bad Wolf and Part of the Way, so that Boomtown was the only episode where you really saw them together in what you maybe call a normal story that wasn't Jack's introduction or wasn't the season finale. So the good thing about these three books was it gave us a little bit more of that. And my memory of this one is that they were all very well served. Yeah, definitely, because Steve just is one of those people who instinctively gets characters, knows how to write for them, and very much feel true to themselves. I mean, we've got... I mean, the, the setting of this is, is set in 2775. Right. And the thing that I particularly remember about it are the fact you're near the start, there's poster-like TV screens everywhere, and the Doctor says the technology's 27th century or earlier. Yeah, Doctor, how about um, 
2015 when these screens started it's like Minority Report of course when you've got all these like futuristic moving screens and you think yeah. wow that'd be amazing and yeah. you think that's yeah. here now and yeah you look at bus stops now yeah etc and they've got all these things so that that really amused me and um, it's fascinating the fact that um, Rose finds up when she's watching TV all the channels are news and documentaries and of you think course. again yes look at how the world has changed since this book was published back in September 2005 of course and look at the rise of the news channels how many we have how many virtually propaganda news channels there are yep. and how things have changed and you know, these channels telling you what to think you just think yep Steve Lyons being very yeah ahead of his time well so, I mean good fiction will do that it'll sort of you know anticipate it's um you know it's like the idea that some stories are maybe just set next week rather than you know in the next century or whatever you know Doctor Who especially in the 70s always had the, the, the Pertwee era always had that you know what could happen just a little bit farther ahead than where we are now yeah I think there's there's great stuff you know the fact that um, there's a character of Hal Gryden who's this character who's omnipresent but you never see him right and so sort of like who is Hal Gryden yeah that's obviously and, Rupert Murdoch and all that sort of stuff. Well, no. It? Is it not? No, oh, right. he's Steve the leader of the opposition. And we'll hear more about, but he, we've got this character who everybody you know, talks about, but doesn't exist. And it's a wonderful, wonderful See, twist in there. That this is the thing, kids. I have to apologise because I, you know, I haven't had time to reread this one. I'm making, I'm taking steps to try and read as many of the books we're going to cover as possible. So... Hopefully, as we go on, my contributions might become a little bit more articulate and a bit more solid. <laughs> but I know this one. I'd recommend this one, Dave. It's yeah. It's very. It's, it's prescient. It's well, yeah. I mean, I, I do remember reading at the time. Um, I have little flashes of it, but as I say, it was a long time ago. I pro. I mean, now that I think about it, I spent the second half of two thousand and five. I read all eleven of Edgar Rice Burroughs' John Carter books. Wow. Because I was at HMV Clydebank by that time, and I was reading my commute, and I averaged it out that I read you know one every two weeks. Gods of Mars took me three weeks because it's quite stodgy and quite dry and then I read Thuvia the fourth book in like a week because it was so good unputdownable in fact listeners you should go and read yeah you should go and read some Edgar Rice Burroughs <laughs> but bear in mind it was written a hundred years ago and some of it might not have aged too well but you should read Thuvia made of Mars it's astonishing wow. anyway and I probably so I probably would have read Only Human and Steelers of Dreams after that so that would have been very, either late 2005 or early 2006 I would have read them wow well um, I was, where would you have been in, in 2005 I was working at the Rutherglen Reformer right. um, which of course Rutherglen been centre of the British media of late of, of course, course. election but yes. That was more than a month ago as you listened to this. Yes, and we're, we're um, not going to express any opinions on, no. on anything there. But yeah, yes. it was um, <laughs> it was a great place to work. And at this point, I had moved into my current house. I'd been there for probably about a month, month and a half. Right. And Wow. Yeah, okay. and I bought this book and read it in there. But of course, my life was changing at this point because... There was a little bump on the way, forming into a little human who was a four-month-old bump at this point. Absolutely. I, could have, I would have been in my flat for about five years at that point. And yeah. then now we're approaching my mortgage nearly being finished, which is a lovely Shut feeling. Shut up. <laughs> which is nice. But, yeah, it's, it's weird to think about it. Because, like, I mean, my, my time at HMV Clubbank was largely miserable for two years. And Doctor Who being back was about the thing that kept me going at that <laughs> point, to be honest. Apart from a few of the folk that I worked with, they were lovely. Yep. But the less said about that, the better. Anyway, we've probably rambled too much. Yeah. Should we talk to Steve now? Yeah, let's do it. I'm Steve Lyons and I'm the author of The Steelers of Dreams. Steve, this must have been a real joy for you, considering you'd been somebody who'd been 
writing Doctor Who through the wilderness years and then all of a sudden it's the most popular show on telly and here you go, will you come and write one of these books? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was weird and it, and it was very sudden as well because I think uh, someone else dropped out so I got the call at the last minute. Uh, so by the time it came in, I already knew how big, I think, I think I'd seen, I think one or two episodes had been on so I knew how big it already was. That's amazing. But, it's, yeah, it just yeah, it felt very different to the others. You know, it felt like you were just writing writing something that was huge all of a sudden. I'd imagine then there was a great deal of secrecy about this, given that obviously that we didn't really know too much about the Doctor and Rose by the time you'd have been commissioned to write it, and indeed Jack. Uh, yeah, the, and the secrecy extended to them not really telling me anything either. <laughs> um, I got a couple of scripts. I got the scripts for the long game Boomtown ahead of them being on, but they didn't have much to say about Jack. Um, I was supposed to get the Empty Child Doctor Dances, but it didn't get to me in time. Um, so I found out that Jack was American and gay the, the week before I delivered the book, uh, when, I, when I saw the preview for the Empty Child at the end of the previous episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, that's fun organisation. It sounds like some things, <laughs> some things may change over the years, but through, through the BBC, there's still some things that never quite do. <laughs> yeah. Dear, dear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a hasty last minute rewrite. Just say before that, I'd. Based his character almost entirely on the opening scene of, of uh, Boomtown when he's boasting about his exploits to the other characters, which is why in Series of Dreams he becomes the guy who's, who's doing that and gets in trouble for spreading stories on a world where stories are banned. Uh, and, and that was, you know, the whole of his character in Series of Dreams. So once I found out some of the absolute basics about him, I had to go back through the book and we, we really try to work them in. That's really good. I like that. I like that. So I think it's and it's very Jack. I mean, Jack is quite quite cocky and selfish, but we'll come back to him later. So I suppose that given that the uh, these first novels, you were the first writer outside Justin, Jack, and Steve to get a chance to do a new series novel. So that's a pretty prestigious honour. <laughs> I think so. I think uh, I think Gareth must have been commissioned first. Uh, and I, th I think it's known that the other writer would have been Mike Tucker. Yeah, so I was I was the third really after after Mike dropped out. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was still you know brilliant to be to be asked. Yeah, yeah. So what was your approach for this one? Did you obviously mention the fact you didn't have the greatest amount of time given Mike had dropped out? So what was your sort of approach? Was it was it the same as previously, or was it different given that it was the new series? It was, I mean, the biggest difference was that the stories, that the books were shorter. Uh, that made more of a difference to me than it being the new series did. But but that also tied in with the stories of the new series being shorter. So it ended up feeling more new series just by default because it was, you, you know, you were doing a faster paced book. As, as I say, when I started, I didn't know much about the characters. So I almost had to plot it as a generic Doctor and Companions and then try to fill in the details as, as I was going. So that, that didn't make as much of a difference, you know, as you'd, as you'd think it would. Had I been able to watch the new series and then think about how to approach it, it was very much kind of on the, on the fly approach. 
the great thing about those initial books was the fact you were getting in every wave, you'd be getting a past, present, future wave in there. So were you quite pleased yeah. to get the future one, given that quite a lot of your work had been quite uh, sci-fi <laughs> and out there? Uh, I think so, yeah. Well, I know, I don't, I don't think it would have but I think it would happen with any of them, because uh, I don't know, a few historicals, I don't know if I had any in my head at the time that I could have done. But yeah, you, you know, you'd, you'd write someone specifically commissioned to do Future Stroke Alien because they already had past and present locked in. It was nice doing something set in Alien World because they weren't doing it on screen. But yes, of course, but eventually I didn't get to read Monsters Inside and it happens in that, doesn't it? Yeah, but it all, it's all, it all counts. There, the fact you took them off world and into a different place, so that's, that's good. One of those rare examples, obviously long before Big Finish, Got their hands on Chris as well, so yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll go. We'll go. We'll, in terms of TV continuity, it's one of his rare trips to an Alien World. <laughs> wow. well, that made that made it feel a bit, you know, really different as well. When you're talking about setting in the style of the TV series, I was doing something that the TV series wasn't really doing, so I still, I still had to use the old series as the touchstone for that. Goodness, at least you did. At least you managed to get rid of the chroma key. Oh, CSO fun. <laughs> yeah. Thing that. I particularly like about this book is the fact that it's, it's it's funny how just as years go by it seems to become more relevant than ever the fact that you've got uh, <laughs> we're not uh, we're pretty much being told not to be imaginative and to accept what we're being given it's almost it's um yeah. it, it's funny how it's the how sort of uh, things move on and uh, being told what the truth is and for those who haven't read the book it's uh, a world where Pretty much, there's no originality and no fiction, and it's pretty much round the clock news and documentaries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, it's it's one of the eternal things, and it? it just it just keeps coming round that you know that pressure through censorship, through you know telling people what they have to think and what they have to say. But but yeah, even more so trying to control the language in order to control thoughts. I mean, you know, George Orwell was writing about it in 1948, but it, it just seems to carry on happening. So what was your starting point for this one? What kicked it all off? It was somebody telling me that somebody in the Israeli Defence Forces had said uh, that they didn't want applicants who played role-playing games because it implied that they couldn't tell the difference between Facts and fiction, uh, which I thought was so weird <laughs> that, that it was a it was a sort of thing that you, you could just expand into, you know, a, a dystopian world. That that's such okay. a bizarre kicking off point, and just people actually <laughs> thinking that real people are like that. I just said it was quite yeah, the opposite. I'd say yeah. that people who play role playing games are quite the opposite. They actually can distinguish and they they enjoy that new world because it gets them away from the real one, but. <sighs> Yeah, and, and, and perhaps have, you know, practiced problems solving and strategies and all the things that you think might be useful. <laughs> perhaps not. Maybe maybe we're doing it all wrong, Steve. We must be the ones doing it wrong. <laughs> perhaps so. So what was your approach to tackling this new Doctor and Companions? Because obviously you do share an accent pretty much in common with a Mr. Eccleston. <laughs> so did you find yeah. that, that having that, you know, the, your natural speech patterns sort of lent themselves quite easily to finding Chris's? I yeah, probably did, to be honest, because even though I'd only seen him in one episode, I found him, yeah, I got his voice right away a lot 
a lot more reason than I did with, say, Paul McGann having to write him having only having only seen the telly movie. Uh, so yeah, that that possibly was part of it that it was it was just an easy speech pattern to get into, uh, and, and otherwise it was the same as any other doctor. It was just trying to trying to write and companion, just trying to write dialogue that I can imagine the actors saying. And you know, season one was being broadcast. I in it so every week I've got a few more clues and every week I go back and just polish up the dialogue a bit It's funny just uh, saying that because you think of um, how many stories have been written over the years with sort of fairly you know, just books that were written back in the day sort of like where sometimes you felt that some doctors and companions could be interchangeable but I think there's very clear distinct voice patterns for this for, particularly for this team Yeah yeah, that that's it. Really, it's it is just so the, the, that's the way I do it. Just just try to imagine the actor saying the line, and and you know, as as you get to know the character, it you start to get the the sentence construction that sounds right for that actor. I had just enough time to watch just enough episodes to just really try and. I think the, the, the only the only thing that picked me up on that they didn't like was the Doctor talking about Shakespeare because it made it seem made him seem elitist. But then they do a whole episode about him loving Charles Dickens, so <laughs> not sure where that was coming from. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Tell us a bit about the world building, you know, and sort of you know, creating it and just sort of working out what you wanted to do with it. Oh, uh, see, now you go back a bit <laughs> into details. I mean, it, it, it just very much started from that in initial idea that, that you know, what, what would it be like if uh, you, you couldn't tell stories and as I said before I made Jack very much a central part of that I thought okay you know he's he's gonna go in tell a story that sounds like it's fiction so he's gonna get in trouble for that so that sort of shaped a lot of it um not really sure at, at some point the brain alteration stuff came in the the and I'm not sure where that came from the idea that people would get you know like the the parts of the brains that could imagine burnt out I'm not sure yeah no really sure where that was from it just it seemed an extension of that idea there's things that strike me that you know some things that struck me like the name of Hal Gryden and the home for the cognitively disconnected which is for some reason that's the one that that term has stuck in my head I just think it's just it sounds like a like a PC term that um, you could imagine being yeah. a real thing at some point <laughs> yeah well yeah you know, but that, that sort of thing is very much out there you know, at the time, it might have got worse since. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was very much out there to draw on. <laughs> so tell us about Hal Gryden, because obviously it's uh, a character who's mentioned an awful lot throughout the book. But of course, there's a little twist at the end as we find out who Hal actually is based upon. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the, basically it's the Doctor. The fact that he's, he's Hal Gryden's not a real person and then we get... Yeah, I mean, I remember him not being real. Oh, the Doctor sort of creates him, doesn't it? Yeah. To fill the gap, yeah. Yeah, I think that that might even have been a, a last-minute thing. That might have been something I thought of halfway through the book. That, that actually, because we're already seeing this kind of TV screen, I suddenly thought, oh, you know, that, that could be a nice twist that he doesn't actually exist. I think it's quite good fun. And of course, you, you do get the mention of Bad Wolf in there as well, of course. Yeah, um, there wasn't asked to do that, but um, you know, I so say watching the series episode by episode, it became obvious that they were doing it every week. So you know, so I slipped it in, and it turned out everybody else did as well. So 
So it's, I think it's in all six books, but yeah. even though we weren't specifically interested, it just really fitted. I mean, it just, it, you know, it occurred to me that it was in that context. I think about, you know, we're all afraid the big bad wolf thing. It was just such an obvious thing to say anyway that it just seemed to make sense to drop it in there. Yeah. So what sort of schedule were you working to with this? It must have. Oh, I must have had two months on it. I can't really write any faster than that. And that would be, yeah, that would be about right. That would be round about, I can't remember, I had, I think I'd just watched Rose when I started and I delivered it either just before or just after the empty channel. So that's about eight weeks, nine weeks. That's a very quick turnaround. It is, but it, it, it was, it, I mean, it's a 50,000 word book. You know, that was, as I said, that's one of the one of the big differences with this line of books was that they're, they're not much more than half the length of the, the previous ones. How did you find sort of capturing that new series feel? Was it in terms of like the dialogue just being that little bit punchier and snappier? I, th- I think so, yeah. And that's just, again, trying to get the voices of the characters. And um, there wasn't, you know, by the time I learned more about the new series, there wasn't much I could do about the story. I could just keep coming back to the characters and, and just really, re- really trying to polish their dialogues to make them sound like they did on screen. And, yeah. and in Jack's case, a lot of that was, I think, I it on a Monday. And I think I spent most of the Sunday after the empty child writing, rewriting all of Jack's dialogue. I'd just be glad that it wasn't days of electric typewriters and such like and thank goodness for the yeah. oh, the tipex oh. <laughs> yes things that things that go back of course then we find out to the end that um, the Steelers of dreams actually are microorganisms and yeah. they're they're actually there for a reason there's so there's it's not empty childish I'm going to say empty child-esque, but that'd be a better phrase than childish. That sounds like an insult to Stephen. Um, <laughs> but you know, sort of that empty child-esque, it's sort of that, you know, something that felt very much in keeping with what was going on in TV as well. Yeah, I suppose so. I think there, there seems to be a lot of, lot of nanobots around at the time, so it was, uh, yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> so what was your reaction when you saw the cover? I, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was quite exciting seeing the new logo and new Doctor and Companion on it. That's exactly what I was thinking, just sort of with the, with the new logo and with your name on it. And the fact, the specific thing is that you were part of the ongoing new series of Doctor Who. You actually were sort of a part of it just when these things were going out and tying in so carefully. Whereas before, obviously, it had been yeah. up to the editors. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't make much difference from where I was, except to, I just got that extra round of feedback because it had to go to the production office which hadn't happened before <laughs> yeah all I can really is the Shakespeare thing <laughs> <laughs> that's just so bizarre so how proud of this one are you given that you know you're, you were part of the, the ongoing new series all of a sudden from you know, from with the fact it was sort of everything tied in with the branding the lot yeah yeah I mean yeah I'm, I'm really proud of it and it was just it was really exciting to do as well you know because the books had been getting smaller and smaller. You know, in the days of the new adventures, it had felt like we were taking Doctor Who forward, but it had, it had kind of petered out since then. Um, and and it didn't have much relevance outside of Doctor Who fan circles. And, and, and now suddenly I was writing a book that was, you know, that everyone was going to see. It was on the shelves in Smith's and it was, you know, tying in with something that was huge. So, yeah, it, just, it was just really exciting and bizarre. <laughs> I remember seeing them in um, my local Sainsbury's. That was when I realised just how big things were becoming when sort of like things that we'd had to scour out back in the day okay. and get your 
get orders in with our local bookshops to make sure that we didn't miss out and then all of a sudden yeah. it's mass market appeal and and just that's that again that must be such a buzz seeing your name on a book that could be available in general shops like that yeah yeah and, and hardback as well <laughs> uh, did a, did a signing in forbidden planet in london uh, so yeah it, 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 yeah it suddenly felt bigger yeah. uh, than, than usual pretty much so i suppose that's the thing you know for those of us in the wilderness years the, the new adventures and the eighth books which were having been our new ongoing series and all of a sudden it's like yeah we did our bit we kept it going and it's almost like and here's your reward you're in the supermarket everyone's enjoying it and you were right all the time yeah yeah all true yeah i mean on the other hand you know it it, 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 it was it did feel like it was just kind of kind of having to fit into something ongoing whereas with the with the new adventures it'd be more of a sense that we were creating the ongoing series this this, this one from a writing point of view this one did feel more restricted that's fitting in with something that had already been decided yeah i suppose it yeah, gave you sort of that flavor for what was to come as well with subsequent yeah. work yeah there's been yeah i suppose it's been a lot more like that since then yeah give you that idea of the way of working and the production office and things like that so yay <laughs> and of course the fact that Russell's probably read them all as well the fact that he I think it was from one of uh, it was from Steve's book when he took the, the line about Justicia and dropped that into Boomtown yeah 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 that was interesting to, to actually acknowledge uh, the book's lava yeah they mentioned the Blothering as well but did he create the Blothering so they could be used in the books can't remember exactly how that works, but there is that sort of crossover there that they mentioned on screen, but we only see them in the books. Yeah, and they oh, popped up in Sarah Jane, wasn't it? No, no, the Sarah Jane Adventures, yeah. It all counts. It just proves, Steve, every single word that you've poured into that book, it's all legit. It's all canon. But we all knew that anyway. But no, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your memories of it. Yeah, no problem. And thank you, Steve. Lovely to chat, as always, and have a catch-up. Just wonderfully, wonderfully humble, modest man, but such a good writer. And I just wish that he'd get to do more Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, um, he's done a fair bit of Big Finish stuff, hasn't he? Yep, the things like Colditz. Of course. Colditz. The Fires of Vulcan. Nearly said the Fires of Pompeii. Fires of, course, of Vulcan. Of course, I could forget. Fires the Architects of, of History. Yes. Fires of Vulcan's outstanding. That's the one, that, the first one that BF did that, that brought Bonnie back and just made everybody just shut up, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> and just showed everyone the potential that Mel always had. And Absolutely. Here we go. She was great. But shall we jump over to Doctor Who magazine? Yes. And have a quick S- contemporaneous review. See what, see what they, they said. See what they had to say. Yep. Who was this one reviewed? This was by Matt Michael. <gasps> Who, Matt Michael course, from off of Pieces of Eighth and the Power of Three. Yeah, who we heard from yesterday and the day before. God bless him. So here we yes, go. Yes, I was, I was off washing my hair yesterday yeah. and the day before. It took a wee while, but I'm glad you're oh, back. Thank you. So uh, the story takes place on a distant human colony in the 28th century where the population is fed a constant stream of reality TV and fiction is outlawed in case it drives the people, quote-unquote, fantasy crazy. Blame me. There are superficial links between this and The Long Game and Bad Wolf, although this time there's no Jagrafest behind it all. Steve Lyons cut his teeth writing Doctor Who books and The Stealers of Dreams feels more like a traditional 7th or 8th Doctor adventure. There are no real villains, only victims, 
and secondary characters receive as much attention as the TARDIS crew than any other Ninth Doctor books. It's also funny, with Rose's descent into madness played more for laughs than drama. The scenes in which she imagines that the Doctor is helping her break into the asylum are particularly amusing, but as with Only Human, it's not all comedy. There are some pertinent observations on the influence of television and the dangers of blindly following those in positions of authority that make this a little deeper read than the other Ninth Doctor novels. Good point there from Matt yes, and how things so. have... Just think of what moved them um, 15 years forward from... And then, wow. No, definitely. I mean, that's one thing. But looking back at these books and just sort of, you know, the books we're going to talk about over the next couple of days... Um, feature characters and monsters that have been used quite a few times after these stories were done and it's you know um it's interesting to just think about how much they've preempted some of the stuff that's been done on them subsequently i know what i mean yes i know what you mean too <laughs> in doctor and also in real life yeah absolutely so there we go that's it it's book number 10 Steelers of dreams definitely recommended absolutely definitely from what i can remember <laughs> <laughs> so dave kenny I have a question for you. Right. Am I going to ask you what song we're playing it with today? I was going to ask you if you would like to ask me a question. All right, okay, okay go ahead. Well, <laughs> let's have a debate and discuss, and right. listeners, you can decide by call. Oh, no, that doesn't work, does right. it? Right, listeners, we're playing out today with, um, appropriately, because I'm getting to choose for once, we're playing out with the the number one hit from 1991 from Andrew Lloyd Webber's reimagining of Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. Here's my favourite Australian, Jason Donovan, with Any Dream Will Do. That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> cheers, Dave, and cheers, <laughs> listeners. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Take care. I close my eyes, drew back the curtain to see for certain what I thought I knew far, far But the